Hi there everyone, Michael O'Brien here from the Oracle School of Astrology with your new moon forecast for December 12th, 2023. Now for those of you who don't know, the new moon is something that we take a look at within mundane astrology as a means of giving insight into the coming month ahead. Within traditional astrology, the new moon tends to be a little bit more important even than the full moon because Whereas the full moon represents the moon halfway through her journey in relationship with the sun, the new moon represents the marriage of the luminaries. Therefore, we use the new moon in traditional astrology as a means of casting a month-long prediction for whichever location we are basing that new moon chart on. Me doing this new moon forecast is a part of me getting one month ahead of my own New Year's resolution because for the new year of 2024, it's my intention to spend more time focusing on mundane astrology prediction as well as mundane astrological events in general. So this new moon forecast is the beginning of what is hopefully going to be a very fruitful and insightful year ahead for all of us here at the Oraculo School of Astrology as we dive into more robust mundane astrological content. If this is your first time joining us here on the Oraculos podcast, give yourself a moment, go down below and hit the subscription button wherever you find us across the internet, whether that is YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Take a moment, go down below, hit the subscription button and also share the Oraculos podcast with your other astrological and magically minded friends so that more and more people have the opportunity to find out about this amazing work that we're doing over here at the Oraculos. School of Astrology. Now, before we dive into our new moon forecast for December 12, 2023, I want to let you know about our upcoming event in January 2024, which is our Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive. In this intensive, I'll teach you everything that you need to know in order to understand how planets communicate with each other in a deeper way, so that if you were accustomed to using more of a signs of the zodiac and house-based approach to astrology before, now you'll have the opportunity to speak more robustly and confidently about the combinations of planets and how those combinations of stellar influences directly reflect physical events that occur within our world and also how they directly reflect the physical concrete events that occur within not only your life, but also the lives of your astrological clients. So if you've always wanted to take a deep dive into a system of astrology that gives you the ability to understand in a deeper, more profound way the conversations that planets have with each other, and if you're just an astrologer who wants a deeper insight into aspects in general, then by all means, join us for our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive, which begins this January 2024, in which we will explore everything that you could possibly want to know about how the combinations of planets correspond with each other and how they manifest real-world issues within our real-world lives. Now, without further ado, let's dive into our new moon forecast for December 2023. Do enjoy. All right, so on the screen, we have the new moon chart, and this is for December 12th, 2023, for 631.48 p.m. EST for Washington, D.C., now, once again, when we use new moon charts in astrology, we use them as a means of predicting the concrete events that will occur at a particular location within the span of the coming month. So the first thing that's important to know about new moon charts is that we need to know which specific location we're referring to. While we can take a look at the new moon itself and at the aspects occurring within that moment as being reflective of what's going to occur within the world at large, if we want to know what's going to happen at a specific location, then we have to pull up the chart for that location. And if we are practicing traditional astrology, that means we're also going to take into consideration the houses within that chart, whereas if we're practicing something as Uranian astrology, we're really only going to be focusing on the 
ascendant and the midheaven within that chart. And today we're going to do a bit of both. So within this chart, we have 15 degrees Cancer, 32 minutes rising, and we have 27 degrees Pisces, 4 minutes on the midheaven. Now, whenever I look at a mundane astrology chart, whether that is a new moon chart, a full moon chart, the Aries ingress chart, any of the ingress charts actually, we can take a look at the chart in the same way that we would look at the chart of a person. Therefore, if the ascendant and the first house represents the individual or the native who is born at a particular moment within a natal astrological perspective, the ascendant and the first house is going to represent the actual people who constitute a nation. Now, this reading is probably going to be a little bit America-centric, it's actually going to be a lot America-centric because once again, whereas we can look at the aspects occurring within this chart as being reflective of larger events within the world at large, we do want to cast a chart for a specific location because we can't really cast a chart for the entire world because the entire world isn't really a specific location. So I chose to cast this chart for Washington, D.C. just because that gives us an insight into what's going to be going on in America from the perspective of concrete event-based astrology. So with the ascendant at 15 degrees cancer 32 minutes, that means this first house is going to represent the American people and the ruler of the first house is also going to, by extension, represent the people of America at this time. Now, when it comes to interpreting any chart, whether that is a horary chart, a natal chart, an electional chart, a mundane chart, there is an unbreakable connection between the ruler of the ascendant and the ascendant itself. Therefore, we can think of these two factors as existing on a continuum. So we're going to speak about the ascendant, but we can also speak about the ascendant by way of assessing the ruler of the ascendant as well. In this chart, the rule of the ascendant is the moon at 20 degrees Sagittarius, 40 minutes. And since this is a new moon chart, we have the exact conjunction of the sun and the moon at 20 degrees Sagittarius, 40 minutes in the sixth house. Another thing I want to let you know before we dive into this reading is that within mundane astrology, and particularly when we take a look at these symbolic mundane astrological charts, we use the ascendant to represent the people of a country, the rule of the ascendant to also represent the people of that country, but we also use the moon to represent the general public at large. And that's because the moon represents the populace or the population or the people in general. So in the same way as we can take Venus as being a universal significator of love, we can use the moon as being a universal significator of the people who belong to a particular country or location. And fortunately for us, with Cancer rising, the moon isn't just the universal significator of the people, but the moon is also the specific significator of the people. So here within this chart, we have the moon at 20 degrees, Sagittarius 40 minutes, in the sixth house of stress and sickness. Now, we all know the sixth house is technically speaking in traditional astrology, the sixth house of sickness and slavery. I don't really like to talk about slavery in the 21st century, so I've chosen to call it the sixth house of stress and sickness. So already this chart is indicating to us that within this coming period of time, this could be a very stressful period of time in general for America. And the reason why I'm saying America is because when we cast a mundane predictive horoscope, such as a new moon chart, we usually do that for the capital of a country because the capital of the country is a proxy for the country at large. So within this chart, we have the moon at 20 degrees Sagittarius, 40 minutes. And if we were to interpret this as a natal chart, we would say that this person is somebody who is overstressed, overworked, and underpaid, who doesn't necessarily feel as if they have the resources to bounce back 
from stressful episodes within their lives. So if this were a natal chart, we would say that the person who this chart belongs to is somebody who is going through a very stressful period within their lives. This is probably somebody who is having to work under an enormous level of stress in general, and this is somebody who, as a result of the great deal of stress they have to work under in general, they find that stress having a direct negative impact on their health. Now, this isn't the chart of a person. This is the chart of a people. And so we can say those same things from a mundane astrological perspective. We can say that within this coming period of time, there could be a very real emphasis on the things that debilitate the health of the American people. And that could be a very stressful thing in general. And there are other things that we see within this chart that corroborates this for us. But focusing specifically on the ruler of the ascendant in the sixth house, this can manifest as a period of heightened stress, a period where people are overworking or they feel overtaxed or they feel exhausted as if they don't have the correct nourishment necessary to take care of themselves or to take care of their needs during this time. It can feel as if they're operating on the bare minimum, in fact, as far as resources are concerned that they can use and that they can tap into to actually support and sustain themselves. So this is a very interesting thing having the ruler of the ascendant who is also the moon in the sixth house in this new moon chart. Now, wherever we have the conjunction of the luminaries in a new moon chart falling as far as houses are concerned, is also going to be a house that's going to be majorly highlighted for the people of that country within that span of time. And the span of time we're referring to is a month. So with this, we can say in general, having this lunation in the sixth house can indicate a period of time in general where the American people are focusing specifically on things that might be having a negative impact on their health and things that could be causing them to have a greater or a heightened amount of stress within this next month-long period. So I know we're going into the holiday season and many of us might be on a vacation during this holiday season, but within this chart, it seems as if the work doesn't necessarily stop and it also feels as if the American people in general are responding by having an increased level of stress, not necessarily anxiety, but definitely a greater sense of societal pressure that can feel stressful and draining and taxing on the vitality of the country within this coming period of time. So that's something that we definitely want to be mindful of within this one month period. When we take a look at this lunation in the sixth house, we can also start to look at aspects that are occurring to this lunation from within this chart. And one of the first things that we see is that this lunation is applying to the sinister square of Neptune at 24 degrees Pisces, 54 minutes. Now this Neptune is also conjunct the 10th house cusp which means that in general, this is a very Neptunian period for the people of America within this coming month. Now, first of all, if we take a look at the ruler of the first house in the sixth house applying to the square from Neptune, from a natal astrological perspective, we would use this as a further confirmation or a further corroboration that that person is probably having a debilitated sense of health and vitality within this lifetime. And that's because being in the sixth house is already representing a debilitated sense of health and picking up the square from Neptune while you're in the sixth house is a further corroboration of a debilitated sense of health. So this is something that we see manifesting within this upcoming month. There is this emphasis once again on things that are debilitating the health of the people in general. We are very far past talking about pandemics specifically and knock on wood we probably won't have to talk about that for a long time to come but within this chart if we were to interpret this purely from a natal based perspective we would say that this person in this chart is sick and so this could be something that is saying that 
within this coming period of time, the people are very, very stressed out. And as a result of the high levels of stress, we start to hear more talk about things that are directly impacting the immunity and the vitality of the people that probably causes us to feel as if we don't really have the internal wherewithal to fight the invisible assailants in the forms of viruses and bacteria within this coming period because having both the sun and the moon in a square relationship with Neptune is saying that the people within the world at large at this time are finding themselves having holes within their auric field. And when we have holes in our aura, it causes us to get sick. And with this being such a prominent factor, I don't necessarily think this is just a case of the winter sniffles, but this seems like something that's very impactful that is definitely also a high topic on the agenda as far as the political core of this nation is concerned. And the reason why I speak about the political core of the nation is because we have the Neptune in the conjunction with the 10th house cusp. And from a mundane astrological perspective, the 10th house is representing the ruling government or the ruling party, the kings, the queens, the presidents, the prime ministers. So whatever this Neptune is representing is a very tall order on the national agenda within this coming one month period. So we might hear that there is an outbreak of something within this coming period of time that is having a direct negative impact on our health and vitality. And who knows what that thing can be, essentially. But when it comes to Neptune, Neptune represents things that are slow and seeping and we don't even realize they're there until they land, basically. And so this could be one of those insidious things that's slow and creeping on the ground and it looks invisible for a long time and it slowly spreads like a fog and before you know it, we all have it. So this is something that we see with the lunation being in a square relationship with Neptune. It can be a very stressful period of time in terms of our general health and well-being in general and this is something that we might find ourselves speaking about a lot within the news at large, the health and the wellness of the people. So that's one of the things we see with this lunation being in a square relationship with Neptune. Now, to talk about the silver lining of this, when it comes to Neptune, Neptune gives us the time to stay home, heal, recuperate, be inside, rely more on our non-tangible skills and abilities to get us over the hump. And so all of these things can come to our aid during this period of time. And once again, with the lunation-Neptune combination being so strong, it doesn't just seem like a regular winter sniffle. It actually seems like something more profound that we find cycling within our new cycles at this time. Now, moving on to the next aspect we have happening to the lunation, we have the lunation in a quincunx relationship with Uranus. When we have the lunation in a quincunx relationship with Uranus, that can represent a shocking period of time that it's very difficult to catch our bearings from. So not only do we have the stressful health component that we see manifesting within this coming month, but we also have this sense of this shock to our nervous system in terms of the lunation being in a quincunx relationship with Uranus. And that can either be in the form of shocking news that keeps us very heightened within this next four week period, or that can be in the form of something that is occurring to all of us that keeps us in a state of fight, flight, flee, fawn, all of the Fs, basically. So the lunation being in the quincunx relationship with Uranus is speaking about shocks that are occurring to the people at this time, and those shocks could be very difficult for us to calibrate ourselves around. And the reason why I say it's difficult for us to calibrate ourselves around those shocks is because the quincunx is representing something that we can never quite figure out how to make work. So there could be a sense of us being on the edge within this next four-week period, and there could also be a sense of us not really knowing how to settle that and ground that into something more digestible. 
So we saw stress of the people represented by the people being in the sixth house already. But here we see a further testament of the stress that the people receive as a result of the lunation being in the Queen Kong's relationship with Uranus. And based on the fact that we already have the people in a square relationship with Neptune, which is already feeling like a drain on our energy, it's already feeling like we are losing vitality, it already feels as if we're being flushed down the toilet bowl, one wonders whether or not we have the internal intestinal fortitude to handle the other shocks coming our way as a result of the sun and the moon being in the quincunx relationship with the Uranus. Now, the next thing that I would do just looking at this is I would also take a look at the planet that is ruling the sixth house because once again we've spoken about the stress and the anxiety and the potential impact on our health so i would like to look and see where is that planet falling within this chart the planet that rules the sixth house in this chart is jupiter at six degrees taurus eight minutes retrograde in the 11th house. The 11th house has to do with the friends of a country in general. Here we have the Jupiter at 6 degrees Taurus, 8 minutes retrograde, and it's in opposition to Venus at 9 degrees Scorpio, 42 minutes. Within this chart, Venus is ruling the 11th house, and we have the opposition between the Venus and the Jupiter. Now, Another thing that we find in the 11th house is that this can also represent the government's money or the funds that the government holds or the storehouse of money that the government pulls from in order to feed and take care of its governmental needs. So the 11th house can also have to do with the money of the government that's currently in power. Now within this chart, having the Venus in opposition with the Jupiter can be indicative of a sense that there is a sense of extravagance or oversplurging or overspending that's occurring with this money or that there isn't really the greatest sense of sobriety as far as the governmental money and the government's relationship to its money is concerned. Having the Venus opposite the Jupiter can also be a sense of there being plans that are probably too big for them to be manifested in a way that actually makes sense. Venus-Jupiter loves to have a good time. Venus-Jupiter loves to present itself as if it is a savior of nations. Venus-Jupiter is the combination of both benefics, the greater benefic and the lesser benefic. And so there's this sense of wanting to be of benefit to everyone and wanting to be of support to everyone at large, but this can oftentimes set people up, especially when we find this in natal astrology, this can oftentimes set people up to spend money that they don't have, to make promises that they can't actually keep, and to put themselves in a compromising position because they overassumed their ability to actually show up in a strong way in terms of keeping some of those promises to people who they're making those promises to. So this could be a tricky time in general where it feels like the promises that the U.S. is making in general are promises that are difficult to keep or difficult to maintain because there's a sense of those promises being based on an extravagance that might also potentially be unrealistic. This takes us back to the Neptune conjunct the 10th house cusp. Having Neptune conjunct the 10th house cusp also says that we might find ourselves disappointed in the leadership at this time, or we might find ourselves not necessarily believing in the people who stand up to say that they're leaders at this time, because everything that comes out of their mouths might sound either like it's a far-fetched fantasy, or it might sound as if it's carrying the essence or the seed of deception. And that's because Neptune is the planet that we associate with deception at large. So this is also another thing for us to be mindful of as we move towards the end of the year. Now, when we talk about money in traditional astrology, and also when we talk about money from a mundane astrological perspective, the second house definitely also has to be taken into consideration. 
Whereas we can consider the 11th house to be the money of the king, we can consider the second house to be the money of the people. And the impact the decisions of the government might be having to our specific bottom line. Within this chart, we have the ruler of the second house as the sun, and the sun is, once again, in the sixth house, which is the house of stress and sickness, and also in a square relationship to Neptune in the tenth house. So this can be another indication that at this time, it feels as if the government is either wasting the money of the people, or the government is having a negative impact on the money of the people, or it can also feel as if the government is asking for more of the people's money, which might cause the people's money to be in a state of crisis as well as a state of stress. So this is something else that we want to be mindful of within this coming period of time. Maybe there could be an increase in taxation. Maybe there could be some form of financial increase where people are being pressed upon by the government at large to let go of more of their money to support some governmental agenda. And it looks like a period of time where not only are the people stressed by having the moon in the sixth house, but also the very money that the people need to live on and thrive on and survive on is also undergoing the same quality of stress. Within this chart, we see the power to fortune rising and the power to fortune is a universal proxy of money in general. And so this can be another indication that within this coming period of time, the money of the people becomes a major hot topic as we move closer towards the end of the year. So everywhere we look around this chart, the things that we see coming up as being of vital importance to us is the people in the sixth house, their money in the sixth house, which means I am stressed and potentially also feeling very sick as a result of the stresses that I'm faced with. My money is stressed and my money is probably also being used to go towards some stressful thing, whether that is taking care of my health or whether that's taking care of the government because the government has made financial promises that they can't actually keep and therefore it's having a negative impact on my own money and on my own money's bottom line. We see the people and their money in a square relationship with Neptune, which can once again feel like there could be a very major health crisis that we find on the horizon within this coming four-week period. And that can be something that really takes up a lot of space within our news cycles in general. We also see this piece of the Neptune being conjunct the 10th house cusp, which can say we feel deceived or let down or disappointed by the government in general at this time because it doesn't really feel as if the government has the ability to get itself together in a robust way and really show up as the sort of government that the people are needing within this coming period of time as we move towards the end of 2023. And a part of that disappointment and a part of that letdown that we might be experiencing from the government might specifically have to do with the sort of financial relationship the government is having, not just to the people, but also the sorts of financial promises the government might be making in general, which might seem extravagant on the ground to the actual people of America. And the final thing that we see happening within this chart that is also corroborative of the heightened monetary story is we have the part of fortune rising within this chart, which mundanely is the part of fortune of the country within this coming four-week period, and that part of fortune is rising, which is also giving us this other insight that the monetary story is one that's going to have a major highlight within this coming four-week period. The final thing within this that we did see was that the lunation itself is picking up the Queen Kong's relationship to the Uranus, which is saying that we're moving into not just a period that might be taxing on us from a health perspective because of the lunation being in a square relationship with Neptune, but we're also moving into a period that is very shocking. And the shocks that are coming and that are unfolding from this period might be something that it's very difficult for us to actually ground ourselves from or really feel a sense of being settled within because it's a Queen Kong's relationship and because Queen Kong's are so difficult for us to really integrate within the larger fabric of our lives in general. So those are the main things that we're seeing from within this lunation chart. 
Two more things that we see going on within this chart is that while the lunation is definitely in a square relationship with Neptune, the lunation is also in a wide conjunction, a seven degree conjunction with Mars. Mars within this chart is ruling the fifth house and the fifth house as we know is the house of children in general. So we have the children also within the sixth house of this chart, and that can be indicative of the fact that even the children are very stressed out during this period, or potentially this could be a period in which we find children being a little bit more susceptible to things that are negative to their health. And once again, this goes back to that point I was making earlier, that it doesn't just seem like a flu season. And we see that through the children also being in the sixth house, of sickness and stress. We also have the Mercury here in the sixth house of sickness and stress, and the Mercury is ruling the fourth house. And the fourth house has to do with the real estate. The fourth house has to do with the land of a country. And having Mercury here within the sixth house of sickness and stress could also be, on the one hand, speaking about issues that are occurring to the land and issues that are occurring to crops and our ability to grow a successful harvest and things of that nature. But it could also have to do with the housing market in general and that stresses surrounding housing becomes a bigger part of what we hear within our news cycle within this coming four-week period. And this is only further corroborated by the fact that the South Node is in the fourth house, the South Node in the fourth house being indicative of the fact that it is a stressful period on the ground. We feel as if we are losing assets on the ground and it could feel as if on the ground, there isn't really that much support for people to take care of themselves, for people to protect their homes, and it could be an overall stressful period in general in terms of the impact of this month on housing, on health, on children, on finances, and all of these things collectively could be a part of what's making this new moon such a potentially stressful or challenging thing in general. Within a chart that is as interesting as this one, if we take a look at the declination table, we see that within this period of time, we also have the sun in an exact parallel relationship with Pluto. Having the sun in a parallel relationship with Pluto is something that's applying to the world at large at this time. And the sun parallel Pluto is indicative that this period might feel intense globally. Now, I said at the beginning of this that we can't really cast any predictions for the world at large. However, when we have the sun in a parallel relationship with Pluto in a lunation chart, then that is indicating something that does impact the world at large. So this could feel like we're all being forced across a threshold within this period of time that might be uncomfortable and that might be a very traumatic experience for us. We know that the catchword for Pluto tends to be transformation, but we don't often talk about the quality of that transformation. Very often the transformation that Pluto brings about is a transformation that's very painful, that's very traumatic, that's very jarring, and that leaves us all feeling a little bit shell-shocked. And so within this coming lunation, we see the sun in a parallel relationship with Pluto. And that is saying that, yes, we're all being forced to grow and evolve and transform and do all of these wonderful things. But it's also saying that we're being forced to grow and transform and evolve by means of things that might feel cruel, that might feel violent, that might feel terrible, actually. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, should serve the purpose of making us all stronger people. The problem is that in the process of passing through that, we may not necessarily feel strong. The problem is that in the process of passing through that, we might actually feel quite weak. We might actually feel quite debilitated. We might actually feel as if there's nothing that we can do when faced with some of the pressures that the next four weeks is bringing our way. It might feel as if there's nothing that we can do to actually turn the tide of those pressures in a way that gives us a sense of authority or agency or independent action. And I think that when we pass through the crucible of something that feels as uncomfortable as this month ahead feels, we may not see how we're growing in the moment, 
but we do see how we grow when the event has passed and we find ourselves left with ourselves in the dark of the night and we see that we've actually grown stronger as a result of the processes that we've passed through. So we're going to enter a very intense next four-week period and it could feel crazy trying to settle yourself or ground yourself or find yourself within all of that. However, it's a wonderful period with the Sun parallel Pluto. It's a wonderful period that if you find yourself being re-traumatized or if you find yourself drudging up things from the past or if you find the world around you drudging up things from the past so as to not be so negatively impacted by that, Maybe you consciously make a decision to drudge up things from your own past as a means of seeing what content is there within you that still needs to be healed and also as a means of seeing how you can consciously co-create with this moment circumstances that are healing ultimately even if in the moment they feel uncomfortable to pass through. And if you allow yourself to take on a more active role with the Sun-Pluto combination coming up, as opposed to just being bulldozed over as a result of the Sun-Pluto combination coming up, then chances are, regardless of what this next four-week period throws our way, we will feel a sense of resolve and we'll feel a sense of peacefulness within us because we would have actively stepped into the storm as opposed to just allowing the storm to step into us. So this is something that we see with the Sun-Pluto combination. Now we're going to move on to the 90 degree dial as a means of taking a look at what's going on in Uranian land. All right, so here on the screen, we have what is known as the 360 degree dial. And the 360 degree dial is one of our primary interpretive tools in Uranian astrology. Now here on this dial, we see that the lunation itself is happening and it's bringing in Mercury. Now, what that means is that Mercury is standing on the antition of the Sun-Moon conjunction. And the reason we know that is because this dial essentially is showing us the cardinal axis, which is zero degrees Cancer, zero degrees Capricorn, zero degrees Aries, zero degrees Libra, and we have the pointer pointing at zero degrees Cancer. And our definition of Antitia is reflection points on either side of the Cancer-Capricorn axis. So here within this, we see Mercury reflecting the Sun-Moon conjunction on the opposite side of the Cancer-Capricorn axis. Mercury, within traditional astrology, has to do with children and that's pretty much it. It has to do with children, but it also has to do with money. It has to do with exchange. It has to do with how we communicate. So what this is saying is that within this coming four-week period of time, in general, these are the things that we find capturing our attention most strongly. Children, for sure, because we saw that in the traditional chart as well. So this is only a further corroboration that children are going to be highlighted within this coming four-week period. And not just because it's the holidays and everybody's expecting a gift, but also because there could be a larger topic at play within the world at large regarding the children in general. So this is something that we see with the Mercury. But it's also highlighting the topic of money. It's also highlighting the topic of how we spend money how we make money, where the money is going in general. Money and children are two things that we see showing up as major highlights just based on this Mercury standing on the antition of the sun and the moon within the context of this coming lunation. Now, another thing that I found to be quite interesting from the traditional chart that I was holding off on until we got to the dial is that the ascendant is essentially in an exact square relationship with Chiron. Now, for those of you who have listened to me for longer than one episode, you know that I have some very specific thoughts about Chiron, but I also think of Chiron as being similar to a Saturn-Neptune conjunction. And the combination of Saturn and Neptune together is one of the combinations that we look at within medical astrology because the Saturn-Neptune combination is a combination of ill 
health or the unhampered development of things that create challenging health circumstances. The ascendant from a Uranian astrology perspective has to do with the environment, the location, and once again, this chart is being erected for Washington, D.C. And so this could be speaking about the fact that ill health is a major topic or a major thing that we find on the mind of the policymakers in DC within this coming four-week period, with the Ascendant picking up essentially the exact square from the Chiron. We also see the Ascendant standing on the Neptune Apollon midpoint. Neptune has to do with deception and lies and illness and disappointment, and Apollon has the ability to expand and express those concepts far and wide. So, with the Neptune Apollon, the textbook definition of Neptune Apollon is embezzlement or monetary fraud. So, that could be something that we see happening within this period as well. There could be a sense of monetary fraud occurring at this location, the location being Washington, D.C. Neptune Apollon indicates great corruption, deception on a large scale, as well as embezzlement. So this could be something that we find ourselves hearing about or that we find being spoken about within the world at large within this coming four-week period, and a lot of this might actually be centered on Washington, D.C. Now, we have the Ascendant as a part of this combination, and all the Ascendant gives us is a sense of the fact that these things will occur at this location. When we include the Ascendant to this combination, we also get this sense of the truth being revealed or the fact that the truth will come out or the fact that there is embezzlement going on, but we figure out the source of that embezzlement or there is deception going on, but the people aren't stupid and they're not going to let the wool be pulled over their eyes. So there could be a sense of being able to see through the lies, being able to see through the BS and actually seeing things as they are in this period. But it doesn't change the fact that there could still be a major story about financial fraud or embezzlement happening within this period of time. Now, we also have Kronos landing on this combination as well. Kronos has to do with the government and authorities and people in charge. Kronos has to do with leaders and presidents and the boss. Kronos represents the highest way that something can be done in general. And when we add Kronos to the Neptune-Apollon combination, it creates diplomatic deception. That's one of the major things that we find happening as a result of this, that people who are set in positions of authority to make decisions for the masses in general are being intentionally deceptive. It's also a combination that we find when there is a great failure of people who are in positions of authority. Since this is Washington, D.C., we're specifically referring to the government and the way in which the government is running. And within this coming four-week period, there could be a sense of there being a massive failure Massive because of Kronos. Kronos does everything at an extraordinary level, at the highest level possible. And it doesn't really get that much higher up in the United States of America than the White House. So within this, we have the combination for failure, which is coming from the Neptune Apollon, or the huge failure. And we have that being even further amplified in terms of politicians and policymakers and diplomatic relations in general as a result of the Kronos being in this combination. The Kronos being in this combination also shows us that Saturn is a part of this combination as well. And so this coming period of time looks like a period in which there are many lessons for all of us to learn. However, those lessons might be encroached within a larger sense of heavy consequences that everybody finds themselves having to pay at this time, possibly because of decisions that are made within the government. Now, we've taken a look at the cardinal axis. We've also taken a look at the ascendant specifically. Now, we're going to take a look at the midheaven. And the reason for that is because the midheaven represents the exact 
moment that the thing occurs. So this is the exact moment that the lunation is occurring, but it's also representing this larger sense of what is most important at this location, at this moment, in this country in relationship to this lunation. And here we see the midheaven is landing exactly on the Aries-Neptune midpoint. With the midheaven landing on the Aries-Neptune midpoint, Aries is a term that we use for the world at large. And the reason why we say the world at large is because the cardinal axis, zero degrees Aries, zero degrees Cancer, zero degrees Libra, zero degrees Capricorn, represents the world axis. So Aries is representing the world at large. Neptune has to do with deception, deceit, corruption, embezzlement, but it also has to do with sickness, and we have the midheaven. So if we were to read this in the simplest way possible, we could say Aries, Neptune, sickness that impacts the world at large equals the midheaven, is happening at this moment, at this place. So this is another corroborative factor that we see that could be indicative of the fact that there could be a sense of not only disappointments globally that are in the air and specifically impacting this country, but there could also be a sense of there being something that makes us all feel ill or that debilitates us from the perspective of our health and vitality that's also being highlighted within this country within this coming period of time. Once again, Neptune is both illness as well as disappointment. So having Neptune as a part of this combination, once again, goes back to this knowledge or this understanding of this being a period where there is a lot of deception on the ground but with that deception there's also a sense of people being able to see through the lies and people being able to see through the bs and people realizing that something is awry and so there could be a big cover-up that's going on within this next four-week period but the cover-up is as unsuccessful as the cover-up of the explosion at Chernobyl, where they tried to cover it up for days without letting people know that they were actually living in a toxic waste dump, and then come to find out it was impossible to actually contain because of the ways in which the toxicity spread far wider than the cover-up that they had intended for it. So this, I'm not saying that it's looking like Chernobyl, but it's looking like something is happening that people are attempting to cover up that doesn't actually work. The cover-up doesn't work within this coming period of time. Now, the next thing that we see a part of this combination, these aren't really great combinations. We see the Saturn-Node combination as well. Saturn and the Node has to do with separations from our intimate connections. Separations from our intimate connections sounds very close to death. <laughs> and that's actually one of the things that Saturn node is representing. And another thing that I found interesting about this was that this combination is also running fairly close to the Mars-Hades midpoint. Mars-Hades has to do with atrocious acts. And we see the midheaven landing on that and the Mars-Hades combination is having to do with this sense of sudden mean acts or with violent acts that are occurring within the world at large. Mars-Hades is also a combination of sickness. It's also something that makes us feel ill. It's also something that makes us feel as if we don't necessarily have the ability to take care of ourselves from within. It also has to do with this sense of revenge. So when we think about Mars Hades, we also think of this concept of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So this could be a moment of vengefulness or of vengeful retaliation that we find manifesting within this coming period of time that has a direct impact on the people on the ground who have to live with the things that are occurring, it has a direct impact on the people on the ground and also a direct impact on their lives as well. Mars Hades, the most positive thing we can say about it is it has to do with us working with the past, 
Mars gives us the word work, and Hades gives us the word past. So there could be a sense of excavating things from our deep archaeological history within this period of time as well, which is probably the best manifestation of Mars Hades. But in general, Mars Hades as a combination has to do with serious illnesses. It also has to do with erroneous action or faulty action. Mars giving us the action, Hades giving us the faultiness. So it also has to do with faulty action, erroneous action, people making the wrong decisions, people making the wrong choices, and those choices being highlighted on a national level within this coming period of time. So all in all, this is a very challenging lunation that we find ourselves going into, we see that locally challenging from the midheaven landing on the Aries Neptune midpoint as well as the node Saturn midpoint which has to do with once again embezzlement, deception, disillusionment but it also has to do with people who are saying goodbye to each other or separating ourselves from people or isolating ourselves from people. So on the one hand it's looking a little bit lonely. On the other hand, we have, like I said before, the Ascendant is running with the Chiron. And with the Ascendant running with the Chiron, it creates a very real sense of, one, Chiron having to do with isolation, because that's kind of the whole story of Chiron. His mother didn't really want him, so she put him in a cave and she turned herself into a tree and he had to grow up with harpies, basically. And so there's this sense of isolation that we have with the Ascendant Chiron that could feel like a very real manifestation of loneliness on the ground. And when I think about isolation and loneliness, I think about how a lot of us had to isolate in place as a result of the pandemic. And this need not be as intense as that, but it definitely does create a sense of isolation and it also creates a sense of quarantine as a result of some of the other things we saw with the Neptune being connected to all of this as well. That we want to be separate and apart and we don't actually want to interact with people all that much because it could be a time in which our health is jeopardized. And not just people who live in cold parts of the US, but even people who live in Florida where it isn't going to be snowing, there could still be a sense of there being a health story that's made highlighted within this period of time that really is absorbing our attention over the next four weeks. And then the next thing that we saw within this was the Neptune Apollon running with the Ascendant, also running with the Kronos. And the Neptune Apollon has to do with the embezzlement. It has to do with the deception. It running with the Kronos has to do with the leaders who specifically are making great failures or the leaders who specifically are trying to cover up their failures and being unsuccessful at that. And so that's another piece that we see during this period of time. And the final thing worth mentioning at this time is that the lunation itself is running with Hades. The lunation running with Hades, and we don't just see that, we see the lunation running with Hades, it's running with Jupiter, it's also running with Apollon. So all of these things are connected as far as this lunation is concerned. The Jupiter-Hades combination has to do with inflation, it has to do with money swindlers, it has to do with people who aren't necessarily thinking about others when they make financial decisions. And this is something that we spoke about earlier in terms of the traditional astrology chart where we saw the money of the country being afflicted by Neptune within this coming period of time. So there could be this larger topic or this larger theme in general of the monetary piece being a very real issue or the monetary piece being a very real source of worry or us within the unfolding of the month ahead. And finally, the other piece that I think is necessary to talk about within this is that it's also running with the Apollon. And Hades running with Apollon has to do with general poverty but it also has to do with a sense of there not being enough financial means in order to take care of the things that actually matter the most. So all of these planets, the Jupiter, the Hades, and the Apollon are running with this current lunation, and so it's once again highlighting this larger theme, not just for the U.S., because now that we're talking specifically about 
the sun-moon conjunction, we're speaking about something that is happening within the world at large, this entire combination can be a combination that feels as if we're entering a state of not having enough money globally. It can feel like we're entering a state that feels a little bit like a recession. It can feel as if from a monetary perspective, things are drying up and it's causing us to really wonder and genuinely be concerned about how we're taking care of ourselves, how we're taking care of our bottom line as well. And once again, going back to the traditional chart, we saw a lot of this coming up over there, and it could probably be because of people making promises that are just untenable or promises that they just really don't have the means to even begin keeping in general. It's a very crazy time, particularly the lunation running with the Hades is a very challenging piece as well. And once again, I think that this is representing very similar to what we saw with the Sun-Pluto parallel on the declination table. I think this is just representing a period where we grow, but we might grow through a moment of ugliness. And that may not necessarily impact any of us on an individual level. This could be something that we see in the news. This could be something we hear from our politicians. This can be something that is just present within the world at large. That as we move towards the end of this year, there are these unrefined parts of our human experience that are coming up and that are splashing out and that are demanding our attention. I think this is also interesting given the fact that we know that we're moving towards Pluto's ingress into Aquarius and that's happening at the end of January 2024, which is a part of why we planned our Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers program at that time. But I think that it's interesting that we have all of these sharp spikes within our collective consciousness coming up so near to Pluto's ingress into Aquarius because these are the sort of shadows that we expect to see washing out and being regurgitated and coming out into our collective zeitgeist or into our collective consciousness at such a time when we're going to be making this huge transition as we have Pluto ingressing into Aquarius. So on the one hand, there could be a feeling of general discomfort as we navigate the month ahead, especially as we pay attention to what's occurring within the news in the month ahead. There could be this confrontation with the ugliness of the human experience that we face within the news in the month ahead. There could be this confrontation with deception and embezzlement and problems with money that we face when we observe the news within the month ahead. And there could also very well be the reality of the negative impact that a period of time like this can have on our overall health and well-being as we navigate our way forward into the month ahead. And I think that after all of this, when everything has settled, when the last arrow has been shot and we all find ourselves in the silence of the aftermath of this, I think that it gives us a great level of internal resolve and it gives us a great level of knowing that we would have gone through something together. And on the other side of this, it allows us to know that indeed we have grown and indeed we have evolved. And so... This period of time that we have coming up within this new moon of December 2023 is a period of time that packs a punch. And within the context of it packing that punch, I think it demands that all of us on an individual level give ourselves more space and more time to grow the sort of internal resources that we need in order to face the coming period of time ahead. Because facing this coming period of time ahead isn't just about us growing resources for this one month. It's about us growing resources in general as we move into this entirely new era of Pluto ingressing into Aquarius, which is a period of time that none of us have lived through before. Once again, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians that I particularly love, and it says, Consider it all joy when you go through trials and diverse things. 
And this month ahead within this coming lunation does seem like a moment where we have to remind ourselves of this, that we have to consider it all joy as we traverse through what might genuinely be an uncomfortable growth cycle. But we must also remember that at the end of every growth cycle, growth is the destination and growth is the outcome. So I look forward to growing with you through this month of December and beyond. Thank you so much for joining me once again here on the Oraculous podcast. And thank you for joining me for this first installment of our new moon forecast. Admittedly, I wanted the forecast to be different than it ultimately was. And truthfully, when I saw the new moon chart for December 2023, I was kind of on the fence about whether or not I wanted to talk about it. Because on the one hand, I said, Michael, just wait until January. But on the other hand, there were some things that were so potent within this chart that I definitely wanted to give life to that astrologically. So I hope that you learned something from this new moon forecast, even if it isn't just about the forecast itself. Hopefully you learned something about new moon forecasts in general and about mundane astrology. I look forward to bringing this sort of content to you on a monthly basis as we move forward into the year 2024 and beyond. Once again, if you haven't already subscribed to the Oraculous podcast, give yourself a moment to go down below, hit the subscription button as we move into 2024. We're going to be coming out with all sorts of fascinating and wonderful astrological content, and I want for you to be on the cutting edge of all of it with us. So please make sure to subscribe to the Oraculous podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, listening on Spotify, share the Oraculous podcast with your other astrological and magically minded friends so that more and more people can know about the amazing work that we're doing over here at Oraculous Astrology. And until next time, I'm your host, Michael A. Bryan, leaving you in peace and love and hope. Until we meet again, have a good one. Bye-bye.